Welcome to Mindful Elevation, a podcast that explores the healing powers of energy psychology and mindfulness. My name is Rachel Tallheimer, and I'm a licensed independent clinical social worker with Elevate Counseling. Join me in my conversations with some incredible guests to see how energy psychology has impacted their lives and how you can use it to improve yours. Not only are these guests my friends and colleagues, but they're clinical professionals with expertise in their fields. These conversations are packed with laughter, honesty, and tons of insight into energy psychology. Feel free to listen at your own pace and in your own space. Thanks for tapping in to today's conversation. Welcome back to Mindful Elevation for this week's episode. Today I'm so excited to have back on the podcast, Miss Kim Hollister. Kim is a licensed independent clinical social worker who's been in the field for over 10 years. She's been with Elevate Counseling for the past six years, and currently she runs the division that supports and educates counselors working towards their independent license. She has a passion for the education and supervision of new professionals in the field. Kim works with anyone over the age of 18 and has a strong dedication to have clients let go of any version of themselves that does not serve who they currently are. Her work focuses on using mindfulness and energy psychology to help her clients see the magic that they possess in order to live their most fulfilling lives. Kim was on the podcast a few months ago talking about body neutrality and our relationship with our body. Today, she's back talking about the relationship between our body and movement. I know that with winter upon us, especially up in New England where I'm currently recording, It can be really hard to move and motivate our bodies. But today, Kim and I are talking about the importance and the benefits of movement to enrich and nourish our relationship with our bodies. So listen in. We're excited to talk to you today. Kim, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm so excited to have you back. Our first episode together about body neutrality it was fantastic. It was fantastic. I think we got a lot of positive feedback and then people are asking for more. Exactly. And here we are. Here we are. Here's the more. Yeah. <laughs> Giving them what they want. Exactly. Ask and you shall receive. Yes. So tell me what we're talking about today. So we're going to be continuing our conversation about body neutrality. And we're going to add in how movement fits into all of that. Before we dive into that, give a little review of body neutrality. Sure. So body neutrality is focusing on what our body can do for us versus appearance or what it looks like. And so we're kind of shifting the mindsets, shifting narratives and stories, and we're increasing peace within ourselves. And that connects very nicely to energy psychology, which kind of has two pillars. So there's cognitive interventions of energy psychology, and then there's somatic therapy, which is your breathing techniques, mindfulness, chakras, tapping. So those two things fit very nicely with each other. Love that. We got body neutrality, the basics of it. Now we're switching over, or not even switching over, but adding in. Yes. An additional concept of movement. Tell me a little bit more about 
movement? And also, why do you use the word movement and not exercise? So movements versus exercise. For most of us, we have stories and narratives behind the word exercise. For myself growing up, it was utilized as you have to struggle. It has to be hard. It has to be a form of torture. If you're not like sweating buckets by the time it ends, it wasn't effective. So some of us have a negative connotation attached to the word exercise. And that can impact the way that we feel about exercise. It can impact our motivation. And so movement for me and for many of my clients just kind of like loosens up the reins and it gives us a wider perspective of what movement actually is. So it could be stretching, it can be walking, it could be CrossFit for some people, right? If that's your thing, it could be that could be your thing. But you want to identify the feelings associated with how I view exercise. Because a lot of people are always looking for like motivation. Mm-hmm. Do you think you're going to motivate yourself by calling yourself lazy? Do you think that's really going to be motivating? Or like, if you're going into something like this is going to suck, or this is going to hurt? Is that really motivating for the soul? Definitely not. And I grew up with a very similar experience where exercise had this negative connotation. I had to sweat. I had to go to the gym. I had to be lifting weights. And for years, even if I was invited on a walk, mm-hmm. it was connected to exercise mm-hmm. and I rebelled against it. Right. Yeah. And connected to exercise and the goal connected. Yeah. It was always we attached really, to weight management. Like, yeah. So it's really hard to disconnect exercise with our goal of wanting to be thin. What I ask clients to do is, what if that wasn't a goal? Like, what if then wasn't the goal? And then what behaviors would you see change? Focus on those behaviors. If you're no longer going to the gym for two hours a day, what else are you doing for yourself that's actually going to bring yourself some joy and fun? You know, so I think that's also important for people to understand in terms of when we're thinking about body neutrality and movement, the goal is never thinness. Yes. The goal is how can you move your body in a way that, again, comes from a place of compassion, peace, love, and joy. And again, if that is CrossFit, if that is spin class for people, go do you. And no way am I telling people not to move their bodies. You should move your body in a way that works for you. If people get joy from those more strenuous or intensive Mm -hmm. activities, do it. But don't do it to lose weight with the mindset of I need to have the perfect body. Mm-hmm. I need to have the societally accepted perfect body, which is thin, which mm-hmm. then ties into my worth. Right. Yeah. So we're kind of if you're in the state of constantly shaming yourself, you can't motivate yourself out of shame. And instead, you're just creating a cycle of self-hatred. So we're really trying to break that cycle of self-hatred and moving into a cycle of self-love. How would you love yourself today? And what type of movement goes along with that? I think about for myself, how much I love Zumba. Mm -hmm. Like I could do Zumba for hours, you know, Mm -hmm. and there was a time where there was definitely that 
association of, okay, I'm going to do this to sweat, to lose weight, to Mm -hmm. fix my body. Right. Mm -hmm. But now after working on my relationship with my body, learning about body neutrality, learning about intuitive eating, it is totally shifted into, I'm going to do this because it's fun. Right. Exactly. And how powerful that mind shift can be. And there's the motivation. Yes. Doesn't that sound more motivating to do something every single day that is fun? Right. Versus <laughs> torture? And I am very much motivated by fun, mm-hmm. as you know. Yes. Yes. So I've never been able to shame myself into positive change because no one can. And right. there are so many times where I talk to my clients and they tell themselves, you need to move and you need to exercise because you're a lazy piece of blank. And I'm just like, mm, so how long is that going to work for you? Right. Yeah. And the conversation of if you said that to someone else, Ooh. do you think that would motivate them? Oh my God, I would cry. Right. (laughs) So why would you think that those same words would motivate you? Right. Yeah, no. I also think it's funny because my favorite exercise is walking with my dog, Shadow. Shout out to Shadow. Shout out to Shadow. But I do it because it creates peace and calm. Your motivation doesn't necessarily have to be fun. and Your motivation can be many things. Now in my late 30s, I need peace and calmness in my life. Tranquility. Exactly. Serenity. Yes. Yes. So our motivations can change over time in the places we're at. And movement needs to change with who we are in lifestyles. You cannot expect your body to do what it did in its 20s as it can do in its 40s. You can expect it to be the same body it was in its 20s. And if you are female and have children, and again, this goes back to the the mindfulness piece of being present into the body that you have today, not the future body, not your past body, but what is your body today? What can it do for you today? I really love that concept to stop comparing the, well, my body used to be able to do this and my body should be able to do this. No, no, no. It's about what do we have right now? Mm -hmm. Exactly. How do we improve our relationship between movement and our body? So I would definitely encourage people to go listen to the first episode because a lot of this is interconnected. And we talked a lot about focusing on our mindset in the last episode. And so we're going to continue that conversation now is focusing on having a healthy, positive, internal self-dialogue is the first step in having a positive relationship with movements. And so again, we can use practices from energy psychology, tapping, breathing, alignment of chakras. All these can focus on having a good internal self-dialogue. The other piece we talked about last time too was self-compassion. And self-compassion has three pillars to it. So the first pillar is self-kindness. The second one is mindfulness. And the third one is common humanity, maybe not in that order, but those are the three pillars. And so self-compassion is a really good framework to utilize in body neutrality. It kind of touches on everything that you would need to help with the positive internal self-dialogue developments. What does positive, kind, compassionate internal self-dialogue look like? I think it's first saying I get to move my body versus I have to. It's focusing on 
setting goals that are more of I want to feel comfortable in my body. I want to move my body in a pain-free way. I want to increase my flexibility or I want to increase my strength. It is also focusing on things in our lives that have nothing to do with our body. Such as? If you are a teacher, a daughter, if you are a wife, a husband, if you have, you know, hobbies that you really enjoy, your identity is not wrapped up in how our body looks. Again, we're moving away from our value and worth are tied to the appearance of our body. We are so much more than that. Bodies are just a vessel that allow us to walk this earth. Yes. And do the things that we love. And that detachment is really important. The detachment from our physical bodies to seeing them as just vessels could be a good framework for people to kind of loosen the attachment towards body image. You know, what's interesting that I find myself doing is when I don't feel motivated to practice movement, I find that it's coming from my inner child Mm -hmm. who had a horrible relationship with her body and a horrible relationship with movement because it was this forced exercise. When I don't feel motivated now in my late 20s, I really need to have a conversation with my inner child and be very kind to her of like, hey, I know this is uncomfortable. I know this isn't what you're taught. This is going to make us feel so good Mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, energetically. This is We're going to do this together. Mm -hmm. We're going to change the definition of, I don't know, self-love, self-compassion together. Right. And, you know, I think this is a conversation I have with clients all the time is that doing nothing is doing something. Mm. Your body needs rest. Give it what it asks. You know, in the world of fitness and diet culture, it really asks you not to trust your body. Everyone is telling you they know what's better, right? I know how you should be eating. I know how you should be moving your body. And it does that for a reason. It disconnects you from your intuition. And so body neutrality is asking you to connect with your intuition again. Your body will tell you what it needs. We have just been socialized not to listen to it anymore brainwashed (laughs) brainwashed that's an excellent excellent word for it we have been brainwashed not to listen to our own bodies which is really sad very sad it's very sad there's hope because these are learned practices that we can unlearn this is the fun piece of all of this is that these are narratives and stories that we have learned and if you have learned something you can unlearn something and so there's always hope there but i do think you get to be sad for Yeah, that seven-year-old, that eight-year-old, that nine-year-old little girl that was just looking for some comfort and to feel safe and feel some love and wasn't given that. Yes. Yeah, it's it's so interesting just how even in my own adventures in the world, I'll be hyper aware of diet talk Mm -hmm. and good and bad foods and needing to lose weight with kids. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. not only with my clients, but even just out in the world, grocery shopping. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I have friends that have toddlers and toddlers intuitive eat. There's no way around it. Right. Like, they know what their bodies are asking 
and they stop and they eat when they need to. And it's interesting to find when that stops. Yes. When do adults start intervening based on their own narratives and stories around food? The idea of like, make sure you clean off your whole plate. The clean plate club. Do you really think you had enough? Are you really full? When we start questioning kids at such a young age, that's when our disconnect to our own bodies even then starts happening. And using dessert as a reward. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting just to see it. And in connecting it with movement, Mm -hmm. there's such a beauty in seeing kids and toddlers just running, jumping, dancing. Yeah. Enjoy. They're moving their bodies out of enjoyment. Yeah. And then we add school and then we had the gym class and the presidential, whatever it was in schools. And then so you add those things and it just doesn't make moving our bodies fun anymore. It makes it a chore. Yeah. So we want to get back to our inner child. We want to go back to what would your five or six-year-old want to do? What did you find enjoyment out of doing? I loved through middle school and a little bit of high school rollerblading or roller skating. And people know how much I love roller skating. (laughs) Yes. It just brings me so much joy. It didn't feel like I was exercising or moving. You just did it because it was social and it was fun. So go back to your your childhood and, and do those things. Feed yes. that child that, you know, got told that it shouldn't be fun anymore. And be creative with it. Mm-hmm. I find that when I'm dancing, I will dance the hardest, <laughs> the, <laughs> the most intensely when I'm listening to the nostalgic songs that mm-hmm. really tie into my inner child. Yeah. You know, what were the songs I was listening to when I was in my early teens or in elementary school that's that's where i go ham you know (laughs) (laughs) and so in practicing joyful loving movement we're practicing Mm self-compassion we're honoring our body i would say it's not even just body neutrality Mm -hmm. it's body respect Mm -hmm. so now we know how important it is and how beneficial it is Mm -hmm. to move How do we set goals around this Mm -hmm. using a body neutrality mindset? So the first thing people have to realize is when setting goals, you're setting goals for the body that you have now. A lot of people will set goals for this fantasy self, as I would call it, the fantasy self that has never existed. So if you have never run a full length marathon. Can't say I have. (laughs) Don't make that your first goal because that's not where your body is today. And if it's really not something within your grasp, if you don't meet the goal, how are you going to feel about it? So we want to set goals that there's not a huge attachment to the goals. If you don't reach them, you're going to ask yourself, what can I do differently next time? What do I want to change about this goal? What worked? What didn't work? So we want goals to be neutral. We want goals to be for our present body, not future body. We want goals to focus on what the body can do. And so some of the more neutral goals could be we had mentioned before, I want to move my body in a pain-free way. I want to move my body in a comfortable way. 
you could say, I want to run a 5K because my legs are powerful. Say something along those lines. And again, like, I think that this is the detachment from thinness equals health or exercise equals healthy lifestyle. We have to detach these words. The only people that know for certain whether you are healthy or not are yourself and your medical providers. No one else. Do mm-hmm. not look at someone's body and determine whether or not it's healthy. So we want goals just to focus on what the body can do versus goals attached to the appearance of the body or people always say, I want to eat healthier. I don't, I, well, what does that mean? Tell me more. That's the most important part of the goal setting is just making sure you're focusing on what the body can do versus living in past self or future self. We're really focusing on mindfulness here. And we're really just focusing on bringing back the joy and the fun that can come from moving our bodies that we kind of lost along the way. I want to share a little plug for another podcast that I listened to, Mm -hmm. and I'll put the link in the description. The podcast is called Fat Joy with Sophia Mm -hmm. Apostle, and she interviewed this man, Martinez Evans, and he created the Running Slow AF Club, Mm -hmm. and he is in a bigger body, and he struggled with it all of his life because Mm -hmm. it was you need to be smaller now you need to be bigger to play football now you need to be smaller again and he started running he embraces his slowness yeah because fast does not equal worthy fast does not equal healthy he is in tune with his body and he does it for joy and he has shared this this movement movement. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, embracing the joy of running. And so what's really cool about that is that even in the social media platforms that he has, it's anti-diet culture. If anyone is posting about weight loss or this is a specific calorie counting diet, you know, that you need to do, he kindly asks them to leave the group. That's so awesome. Yeah. So I I just, I thought it was so cool. So during, you know, we all remember COVID. What's that? No. What was that? Was that, was that thing? Pre-COVID, I was a orange theory junkie. Mm. I say like I went at least four to five times a week. And this is yoga, right? This is, no, this is like high intensity. So this is, oh. they have like a treadmill, rower and train station. So it's much more like CrossFit 60 minute workouts, very intense. Okay. And so I did that four to five times a week and then COVID hit. And mm-hmm. since COVID, I've been doing workouts from home, which are life changing. But I really had to shift my mindset around is this really working out? Like, am I really moving my body? Is this being effective? And so like, for me, body neutrality really did come up during the pandemic for me because our lifestyles had to shift during that time. And I think it's really important for clients or for listeners to ask themselves, if tomorrow you broke a leg and you couldn't go to your CrossFit or spin class, what is your initial emotion to that? And if it's like fear, anxiety, that means you do not have enough in your toolbox. So you are relying too much 
on exercise to regulate your nervous system. Okay, exercise is not therapy, people. <laughs> it is a coping skill, but it is not therapy. And so just make sure our listeners have more in their toolbox than just movement because life can change at any moment and we have to make sure we have the tools to crush life you know like we have to have the tools to like live our best selves and I think that ties into mindfulness as well Mm -hmm. that it's not just movement in the body we currently have it's also moving considering the external factors of what they are right now Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. It is internal and external mindfulness. Yes. Any final thoughts before we close out today's episode? No, this was yeah, amazing to be here. Amazing to be with you, Rachel. You do a great job at the podcast. Overall, we're lucky to have you and I'm sure we'll be back again. Absolutely. So. Kim, this was so much fun. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your wisdom per usual. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, if you love Mindful Elevation, please follow and share. We love to spread the message of hope and love and energy psychology. So thanks for listening. Go move a little bit today. (laughs) Thanks for tapping into today's conversation. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate Counseling, you can find us online at www.elevate-counseling.com. Follow us on Instagram at elevate underscore counseling underscore services or find us on Facebook at Elevate Counseling Services. For those seeking services in Massachusetts or surrounding areas, call our intake at 508-297-1491. New episodes of Mindful Elevation will be released every last Monday of the month. And keep an eye out for Energy Elevators every Monday, where I will be teaching energy psychology techniques and tools you can implement into your daily practice. Until then, keep grounding, keep healing, keep growing. Stay mindful.